everything about our faith is predicated upon the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are miserable people if he is still dead. Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, as well as the author of Why Life Hurts and co-author of Evangelism Made Simple. Hi, hope your Monday's going great. This is Jim Scudder, and welcome to In Grace, or welcome back. As uh, many of you are uh, consistent listeners, we appreciate all of you as we together really are just excited about God and uh, our salvation through Jesus, his son, and the, the truth of the resurrection. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. In our series, The Story of Jesus, we have come to the most important part of the entire Bible. The, the most important event in all of human history is the resurrection. And, and it, it's this thing that we certainly focus on and and we surround and think about on Easter, but I think that we shouldn't let a day go by in our life that we don't think about and appreciate and thank God for the resurrection. And so today we're going to talk about his glorious resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And and without that resurrection, we have nothing. We might as well uh, just go on living our lives any way we want to, selfishly uh, fulfilling our desires and our flesh. But if the resurrection is true, it changes everything. Of course, it is true. And we're going to examine that today and look at it even prophetically in Isaiah in Isaiah 53, it talks about the death and the resurrection of the Messiah. So we're going to get to that all in just a moment. Right before we go to our message, let me remind you that in July, we're going to Alaska with our In Grace Creation Cruise. I love creation. I love the beauty of Alaska. The, there's no better way to see this state, the, the most uh, beautiful, uh, largest state in the United States than a cruise. And so come along with us on our In Grace Creation Cruise. We have a creation speaker. We have special music. My wife and I uh, will be with you. And uh, during the day, you can go on all these amazing excursions. At night, we gather and uh, we worship together and we learn and, and fellowship in a special room for In Grace. And so if you're interested in that, go to our website, ingraceradio.com. Click on Travel. And there you'll find information about the Alaska cruise and our next trip to Israel next year. And then also when you're on our website, uh, look at all the other resources we have there. There's so much there, ingraceradio.com. Now you can also call us for the uh, Alaska cruise brochure and uh, to find out more about our ministry. And our number is 1-800-78-GRACE. There was a man and his wife and his mother-in-law that were on vacation in Israel. And they were having a wonderful time, but sadly, one evening at the hotel, the mother-in-law unexpectedly passed away. And of course, this was a shock, but you're trying to then deal with the details of that. And they told the man that it was gonna be very expensive to fly her home for the funeral. It's gonna be $10,000. And, and they told him, they said, since she died here in Israel, uh, we can bury her here for free. And the man said, absolutely not. We're going to take her home and we're going to have the funeral 
in the United States. And so they did. And at the funeral, the wife came up to the husband and she had tears in her eyes and she said, honey, I'm so thankful that you loved my mom so much that you had her brought back to the United States and spent all of that money. You must have really, really loved her. And he said, well, I realized that it was the Israelis that buried Jesus and he rose again and I cannot take that chance with her. I say that with trepidation because my mother-in-law attends this church and I would definitely spend the $10,000 to fly her home from Israel. Not for that reason though. Uh, but we are going to talk about something that is absolutely wonderful. We've been dealing in the last weeks in the series, the story of Jesus, the chronological look through the life of Christ, at some really tough things. We were looking at his prediction that he was going to be taken and crucified. He told the disciples that some of them would disown him, betray him, not say that they even knew him. So we went through the awful arrest and trials of Jesus and so unfair and so wrong and the, the passion of Christ where he was, he was flogged and he was beat and he was spat upon and his beard was ripped and all of these awful, awful things that, that took place to the only human being that was perfect and how Awful it was to talk through the, the pain and the torture of crucifixion and the words that he spoke. And even while he was in intense pain, and the greatest pain wasn't physical, it was spiritual because he was taking upon himself the weight of sin for the entire human race. The, the torment, the torture, and even in that he spoke words about other people, forgiving people, taking care of his mom, telling the thief that had first mocked him that now believed that he would today be with him in paradise. So even on the cross in agony, Jesus is still ministering to people, loving people. And then his last breath, he says, it is finished, and he dies. Now, did God die? No, but... Jesus' human body did die as that's a fate that no one has escaped thus far. But he is the only one that has risen himself from the dead. There have been a few that have been raised from the dead, but only by God. But Jesus didn't stay in the grave for in three days, he rose again. And that's my title today, his glorious resurrection. Everything about our faith is predicated upon the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are miserable people if he is still dead. We have no hope. You might as well walk out of here and live it up. Whatever 
sounds good to you, go do it, go shoot it up, go drink it, whatever you want to do, do, because if he is still dead, we have no hope. But if he did rise from the dead, then everything is true. This entire Bible is 100% true because he rose again. That means he is God. That means that he paid for your sins. And that means if you'll trust in him, you'll have eternal life. And that means that you can escape eternal separation from God, which is the second death. Physical death is hideous. The second death is so far worse. And so we come to the, the keystone of Christianity in architecture. If you're going to build an arch, you're going to have to put in the very center of, the, of that arch, if you're building it out of stone, you're going to have to put a stone of a certain shape. They call it a keystone. And if that stone is removed, that arch is going to fall. But if that stone is in place, the arch will stand. If you take out the resurrection, it all collapses. And that's why Paul was addressing the Corinthians because somebody had been teaching the people wrongly that there wasn't a physical bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Paul said, no, no, that is the most important thing. It is, to me, the great proof of Scripture. It's the great proof that Jesus is God. For if he rose again, he is the Savior of all who put their trust in him. So we've come to the most important thing in our study of the entire Bible, but especially our study of Jesus. He came to die, but if he had stayed dead, then his claims were false. He claimed that he would be crucified and that in three days he would rise. Now, what's interesting to me is those that were with him for three years, somehow they weren't remembering that. They weren't placing any hope in that. They were mourning. They were weeping. Even the women that went to the tomb early Sunday morning, they weren't expecting to find a resurrected Jesus. They were going with ointment to anoint his body. But there, there was a group of people that did believe at least that he said he would rise again, and that were the, the religious, the ones that crucified him, the ones that called for his execution. The Pharisees, the chief priests, they remembered that he said it, and they did something that we're going to study right now that makes the proof of the resurrection ironclad. If they hadn't done it, there could be some debate about whether or not the disciples had stolen the body. Of course, the appearances of, of Jesus squashed that too. But uh, what those enemies of Christ did verify without a question that Jesus rose again. So Jesus had been crucified. Two wealthy men, men that were in the upper echelon of the Jewish society, had claimed his body. Nicodemus, we read about early in John, a Pharisee, but a, a good man. He wasn't a phony. He was one that was searching, and he found Jesus, Yeshua, as the, the Messiah. Now, he didn't tell anybody, but he was there in the inner circle of the Jewish leadership, the religious leadership, as well as another man, Joseph of Arimathea. And together they got Jesus' body, his lifeless body, 
They didn't have a lot of time because it was getting near sunset and they had to have him in the tomb before the sunset because it would start a special Sabbath as soon as the sun set. And so they wrapped him, the Bible tells us, in a hundred pounds of myrrh and aloes. It was a hastily prepared burial because they wrapped his, his body in a linen cloth and they would put within the linen cloth these aromatic fragrances. But they were not able to properly anoint his body as they would normally do and they would do it for, for one practical reason to make sure that he, he didn't smell as he decomposed but also for a a sentimental reason, a, a, a reason of showing how much they loved him and how much they cared. And that's what the women were coming to do. You're listening to In Grace with Jim Scudder Jr. How old is the earth? Did Noah's flood really happen? If you're wrestling with the answers to these questions, look no further than In Grace's exciting video series, A Walk Through Creation, where Jim Scudder walks through the amazing Creation Museum in Northern Kentucky with answers in Genesis founder, Ken Ham. Together, they discuss how modern science actually backs up truths found in scripture. This incredible series will be yours as a thank you for a gift of any amount to In Grace. And when your gift is $35 or more, you will also receive two more video series, a tour of Noah's Ark with Bodie Hodge and Dinosaurs That Destroy Evolution. Don't miss out on this exclusive opportunity to gain a deeper understanding of the young earth creation perspective. To get this limited time offer, call now, 800-78-GRACE, or order on our secure website, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. John tells us that this tomb was in a garden and I believe it was very close to the crucifixion site, which is called Golgotha or Calvary, same word, different languages, that means the place of the skull. And in Israel, there is a rock outcropping that looks like a skull even to this day. And right next to it is this beautiful garden, even in antiquity it was a beautiful garden, with an olive press. And it was definitely a wealthy person's garden. And right there is a tomb hewn out of rock with a channel for a rolling stone. Now there's still some question about whether or not this was Jesus' tomb because some archaeologists say that it doesn't date correctly, that the style isn't correct for the time of the New Testament. It would be an older style. And I'm going to do an ingrace episode in that and do some research and figure that out. But it doesn't matter because we don't worship a spot. We worship a living Savior. All religions have shrines and have tombs, but Christianity, we worship a living Savior. But the garden tomb is a beautiful place. If you've been there, you'll agree with me. And every trip to Israel, we end it with communion at the garden tomb. We sing, we pray, we give you time to walk around on these beautiful pathways with glorious, beautiful trees, plants, flowers, and of course, the tomb. You get to go inside, and it's empty. 
beautiful place. Jesus was put into that tomb. This 4,000 pound stone was rolled. It was slightly downhill so that it wouldn't ever accidentally roll open. So in order to close it, it was relatively easy to roll the stone. But 4,000 pounds going back slightly uphill is very difficult. According to tradition, because the religious people remembered that Jesus said he would rise again, they said, we don't want the disciples to steal the body and say he had risen from the dead, so we're going to ask for a guard. And according to tradition, Pilate granted the request with his best guard, with his best Roman soldiers. About 30 of them would have gone to the tomb and they would have set a seal on that stone and they would have used a wax seal to seal the stone to the rock wall of the outside of the tomb. And if anyone broke that seal, it was a serious crime. And they set a watch and they would have four soldiers standing guard and they would rotate every four hours. And if they failed at this duty... They would have serious consequences. If they were to fall asleep, the penalty was death. Believe me, these were professional Roman soldiers that were going to guard, for the first time in history, a dead man. Never in history had there been a person dead that was so guarded. One Historian says, never had a criminal given so much worry after his execution. Never had a crucified man had the honor of being guarded by a squad of soldiers. You don't normally have to guard dead people, do you? But because they insisted on this, now when they say the disciples stole the body, they have nothing to stand on, right? Because you have the Roman guard guarding the tomb. And they were, later, we're going to find out that they were paid to say that the disciples stole the body. We fell asleep and the disciples stole the body. Well, first of all, if they had fallen asleep, they would be derelict, they would be punished. They would probably be executed. But here's another point. If they were asleep, how did they know it was the disciples that stole the body? Isn't that a problem? It's a real problem, isn't it? It's ludicrous, but that ha they had to come up with something, and that was the earliest theory, the earliest excuse that they said that Jesus didn't rise again, but the disciples stole the body. Let me ask you this. Were any of these disciples going to the tomb that Sunday morning to see if he had risen? None of them. None of the men. They were still mourning. They were still hiding. They were still in locked rooms. They were told that Jesus had risen by the women, and they didn't even believe them. They basically said, you're crazy. You're telling idle tales. Go away. And finally, John and Peter ran to the tomb and found out that what they said was true. How would a group of scared, 
cowardly men be transformed into the most amazing preachers the world has ever seen. They all but John died a martyr's death, tortured, executed. John exiled on an island. Would these cowards die for a lie that they knew was a lie? Absolutely not. There's no chance that the disciples stole the body. Let's read Luke 23. And we're going to read about these women and what happened that early that morning. It says in Luke 23, 55, and the women also which came with him from Galilee followed after and beheld the sepulcher. So this is, Jesus is being put into the sepulcher by Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus and how his body was laid. Some people said that the women must have gone to the wrong tomb. It's called the wrong tomb theory. They thought he had been raised, but they just went to the wrong tomb. It was an empty tomb and they were just messed up. They were just confused. How do you answer that? Go to the right tomb. When the disciples are preaching about the resurrection, and they did that all through Acts. If you read Acts, it's all about preaching the resurrection of Christ. It transformed those guys. As they're preaching of the resurrection of Jesus in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, why not drag out the corpse if they went to the wrong tomb? No. They had been to the right tomb before as he was being buried. They were watching that. There's no chance that they went to the wrong tomb anyway. And they returned in verse 56 of Luke 23 and prepared spices and ointments and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. So I believe that Jesus died on Thursday. And I believe that because he said that just like the sign of Jonah, Jonah was in the belly of the great fish three days and three nights, so will I be in the earth for three days and three nights. There has to be three days and three nights. You say, well, that kind of messes up Good Friday, doesn't it? It kind of does. The reason that people think it was Friday is because they, they see the Sabbath and they think that has to be Saturday, but they're not taking into account there's a special Sabbath, a day of rest that coincides with Passover. So Friday would have been a special Sabbath. Saturday was the normal Sabbath. And then, so they had to wait as they had prepared these ointments to go and properly anoint the body. They had to wait until dawn of Sunday, three days and three nights. So that's why I believe that he died on Thursday before the sun set, just as the Passover lambs, in my opinion, were being slaughtered all across the land of Israel, so was the Passover lamb, Jesus dying for our sins at that very moment. We're gonna talk more about the importance of the resurrection tomorrow on our Tuesday edition of In Grace and how important it was that Jesus did rise again. It is foundational, it is the cornerstone of our faith, and we need to be thankful every day for the truth of the glorious resurrection. Uh, right before we go, let me remind you that InGrace has travel opportunities. We're going to Alaska in July, and we're going to Israel next February, and you are invited to come along. These are wonderful journeys. InGraceRadio.com is our website. Click on travel. And then also, I would encourage you to watch our YouTube channel. We have some great programming 
streaming there. Our Ingrace video program, television program is there. And there are dozens of episodes, all sorts of things, and a lot of adventures. So check that out at ingraceradio.com. Click on our TV page in there. It'll link you to our YouTube page or go to YouTube and search for Ingrace. And the last thing I'd like to say is, listen, we love creation. We love an organization called Answers in Genesis and Ken Ham. Ken gave me a tour of his museum, and I'd love to send you that video. It is amazing. And for your gift of any amount to make sure Ingrace stays on the radio in your area, we will thank you by sending you a walk through the Creation Museum with Ken Ham. If your gift is $35 or more, we're going to send you two more powerful creation videos. One is a tour of the Ark there and Answers in Genesis with Bodhi Hodge, and then Dinosaurs That Destroy Evolution. Don't forget to get the video series, A Walk Through Creation with Ken Ham, for your gift of any amount. When your gift is $35 or more, you will also receive two more video series, a tour of Noah's Ark and dinosaurs that destroy evolution. Don't miss out on this exclusive opportunity. Call now, 800-78-GRACE. Go to our secure website, ingraceradio.com, or write to us at Ingrace P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois. 60047. Thank you for joining us on Ingrace Radio with Jim Scudder Jr. Ingrace is a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Our goal is to share the light of Jesus to a darkening world, helping you find hope, gain purpose, and be a light. You can be that light today by joining our mission to spread the gospel around the world. Just call us, 800-78-GRACE, or go online, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at Ingrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in tomorrow as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on Ingrace Radio. Radio.